What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith from ESPN. This is former world champion boxer Showtime Sean Porter. Hey, this is Booby Gibson. I'm Josh Creed. Hi, this is Joe Tate, voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And you're listening to Sports Power Talk. You listen to Sports Power Talk. And keep listening, or it'll be wham with the right hand. Ladies and gentlemen, live from the University of Akron, WZIP Sports presents the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. No question, with all due respect. This is Sports Power Talk. With the latest in sports news. Your Akron Zips are the 2022 MAC champions. The Zips have defeated the Kent State Electric Chicken. In-depth analysis. Astrology for women is equal to what Joe Rogan is for men. <laughs> have you ever tried DMT? <laughs> <laughs> and of course, the hottest takes. He's just bad. Let me tear your labrum and you can go on the You know what? <laughs> it's only game. Why you have to be mad? Just the same old Browns! You know, bro. Hard run pitch. I think that was textbook top cheese. Cleveland! This is for you! From the best that Ohio sports has to offer. To the best of the Akron Zips. Now, it's time for SPT. Ladies and gentlemen from Northeast Ohio and beyond, you're listening to the best sports talk show there is, was, and ever will be. This is Sports Power Talk live from the University of Akron. I'm your host of today's show. My name is Jake Murrin. Big thanks to Alex Henry for filling in for me last week. But for today's show, I'm joined by two analysts across the desk. First, this man and I have the best on-air rivalry this side of Lake Erie. For better or worse, he's one of a kind. His name, Logan Congrove. Hey, sweetheart. How's it going? It's going good, Logan. How are you? I'm doing fantastic this fine, acrid morning. It is a fine, acrid morning. It is snowing outside, so be careful where you are. Uh, And second, WZIP Sports has done some more recruiting, and we have another rookie joining us. If you listen to SBTOT's UFC 283 predictions, then you have already heard his voice. If not, please welcome onto the show for the first time, Mitch Bates. What's up, everybody? Blessed to be here. Yes, Mitch. How are you feeling? Your first show, your first SBT, and of course, it has to be with Logan and I. Got a little bit of nerves, but I plan on taking a little bit of a backseat when this little rivalry comes out, so I'm excited and I'm ready. Yes, you you saw what it was like from behind the scenes, now you're here on the show, and we'll see if things get heated between Logan and I, and here's what you can expect out of today's show. As we have for the past few weeks, we'll begin with both the men's and women's Zips basketball teams, then we'll discuss all things UFC 283, the first pay-per-view for the UFC in 2023, and even if you're not a UFC fan, you won't want to miss Mitch and I completely embarrass Logan Congrove as he attempts to pronounce I these study. fighter I study. names. Who doesn't like hearing you get embarrassed on these air? I mean, I mean, I know it happens almost every single take you have, <laughs> but with these fighter pronunciations, you're not going to want to miss that segment where we recap UFC 283. Then in an hour, we'll talk about the NBA and the Cleveland Cavaliers. And what do the Cavs need to do to compete in the East this year? That's the question that needs to be answered, and we will do our best at answering that question. We'll also get to all of your hot mic questions from our Twitter page at WZIP Sports in that segment as well. We're not even close to ending the show, but we will do so by talking about the Cleveland Browns and the NFL playoffs. We'll also have around the Rue and Super Bowl predictions as well. 
But first, as I mentioned, let's get to our reigning, defending, undisputed MAC champion men's basketball team and their dominant stretch as of late. Guys, what did you make of their 69-51 to 51 win over Central Michigan? Man, let me tell you, X is that guy. X is so important to the University of Akron's men's basketball team that I can't even explain it on these airwaves. X has done so many great things for this team that haven't been done in the past. The closest I've ever seen is Lauren Christian Jackson, and I think X has surpassed that. X is such a great teammate, so good on the floor for the Akron Zips, and as we've seen when he doesn't play, the Zips, he is very crucial to this Zips basketball team. Shout out to X, Xavier Castaneda, if you don't know who that is. He is propelling the Zips big time right now. Yeah, he was the highest scorer for the Zips in that win over Central Michigan on Tuesday. He scored 13 points on 3-for-7 shooting with 5 assists. The Zips came out slightly slow, but they did adjust well and even led by 27 points at one point in the game. That's a strong take, Logan, saying that Lauren Christian Jackson, I mean, he's an Akron Zips legend, but you think Xavier Castaneda has done enough to surpass him? By the end of his career here at the University of Akron, absolutely. And I think he's already very close. I don't think so, man. I think Lauren Christian Jackson still holds a special place in the hearts of Zips fans. I really think he's going to be one of the best Zips players to ever uh, play for the Akron basketball program. That's my thoughts, though. Send it over to you, Mitch. What did you think of the Central Michigan win 69-51 again on uh, Tuesday? Well, I was impressed by the way they started to pick things up. They ended up shooting 42%, and they held Central Michigan to 34%, and they also won the Battle of the Boards 37-32. to I think that was very key in maintaining momentum and grabbing a win in this game. And just like he said, I was extremely impressed with Casaneda and everything he does for this team. Yeah, I agree with you guys. And another performance that I want to highlight here is Sammy Hunter, 12 points, 4 for 5 shooting. Also, Trenton Hankerson, 11 points, 4 for 10 shooting, and 5 rebounds. When Hankerson and Hunter can really get involved in the game, it really takes the pressure off the shoulders of guys like Xavier Castaneda, who scored 13, not great, but not bad, and then Enrique Freeman as well. And let's talk about the Zips defense in that Central Michigan game. Zips defense, they held Central Michigan and their, their field goal percentage was 34% from the floor as a team. And the Chippewas had 18 turnovers. The Zips defense is what is making them a dangerous team this year in college basketball in the Mid-American Conference. And you love to see it. And the Zips defense showed out again yesterday afternoon against Western Michigan. And this is where I think the Xavier Castaneda praise really comes into effect. Because if you didn't know... Yesterday, in the 63-55 to win over the Broncos, Xavier Castaneda, 11 for 25 shooting, 7 rebounds, 32 Eesh. points. I think that's what you're getting at, Logan. Dog. X is a dog for that. My man, X, I know you're probably not listening right now, but you, I hope this gets to you. Keep it up, man. The University of Akron loves you. The students love you. That is so impressive. Way to put the team on your back. And shout out to the rest of the Akron Zips, too. I'm not discrediting the rest of the roster. But X is something special to me. I 100% agree with you. Yes, Jake, this is where that praise really came into play against Western Michigan. Yeah, it really did. And Enrique Freeman has kind of had a tough stretch of games, at least scoring-wise. In this game against the Western Michigan Broncos, he scored six points, had 11 rebounds. Do you think Xavier Castaneda 
has kind of taken over that role, especially on the offensive end, but being that number one guy for this Zips team. Absolutely. Although I don't think that I would say Enrique Freeman is completely out of the question. I would say right now the most beneficial player for the Akron Zips is Xavier Castaneda. Enrique, like you said, tough stretch of games recently, especially with the six-point performance against Western Michigan. But don't leave out that he still had 11 rebounds, which for a forward, and on the bigger side, a taller forward, that's okay. That's He's doing his job, whether it's on the, the point side or on the rebound side. Getting boards is just as important as scoring points. So I'm not totally discrediting Enrique Freeman, but I would say right now Xavier Castaneda is more valuable to the Akron Zips. I don't hate the argument. I still think Enrique Freeman is that guy. I think he's just ahead of Xavier Castaneda, but it's nice to know that you know when you can't facilitate the offense through Enrique Freeman, through the paint, you can't feed him the ball the entire game, that you have that secondary option in Xavier Castaneda that can fill it up from the paint, from outside the three-point arc, and Xavier Castaneda, that dynamic offense that this Zips team needed to win yesterday against Western Michigan. Any thoughts on that debate and this win over Western Michigan, Mitch? Um, I also wanted to bring light to the Zips defense because I've been really impressed with the way they've held teams to terrible shooting percentages. They held the Broncos to 38% shooting from the field. They forced 15 turnovers, and that led to 16 points, so that's like two straight games where it's been under 40% shooting for the other team, and I'm, I wanted to bring that up because that's very key in us continuing to win games. Yeah, I completely agree with you. You mentioned the field goal percentage of the Broncos, but the Broncos also had 15 turnovers compared to the Zips 3, and the Zips only allowed 55 points, and they allowed 62.4 points per game, at least before that game anyways. So just limiting the other team's offense offensive capability and honestly to me this was just an ugly win for this Zips team no other Zips scored in double digits other than Xavier Castaneda only three total points came from their bench the team shot 36.5 percent from the floor themselves and they only had nine total assists in the entire game luckily we did get the win luckily this team was put on the back of Xavier Castaneda and the Akron Zips did come away with the 63 to 55 win and they're still hanging up Uh, among the top of the teams in the Mid-American Conference. Let's look ahead for the Zips men's basketball team, though. Let's talk about their upcoming stretch of games. They play two games this week. First, on Tuesday, against Miami of Ohio. Miami of Ohio is 7-12, 1-5 in MAC play. They've also lost six of their last eight. This sounds good for the Akron Zips, but what do you guys think will happen in this game? I'm definitely thinking this one swings this way. Enrique Freeman will definitely have to put up more than six points, which hopefully was just a fluke against uh, Western Michigan. But heading into the game against Miami, I think that the Zips definitely have the upside here, especially with Xavier Castaneda coming off of that 32-point performance. Yeah, what do you think, Mitch? Um, I agree with Logan. I think all the, I think he has to get way more involved than simply six points, but I believe that he will. I know that they have to stop senior Makai Larry for Miami. He's leading them in scoring, assists, and steals. If they can slow him down, keep the other team's shooting percentage low, I think they have a really good chance to win this game. Yeah, I agree with that breakdown. If you're looking at Akron, the only thing that worries me here is they're 3-3 three and three on the road. They're not a great road team. They are undefeated when they play at, James, uh, at the jar. But for Miami... 
Like I said, they've lost six of the last eight. You mentioned Mikai Larry, but other than that, they're not that great of a, a team. They're not that deep. And they have three players averaging double digits in scoring. They score 74.7 points per game. They allow 74.7 points per game. I think the Akron uh, defense really shows out, limits Miami's offensive capability, and scores a lot of points as well. ESPN Analytics gives Akron a 91.5% chance to win. And I think this is going to be an easy win for the Akron Zips. Hopefully another easy win this week, though. A game on Saturday played at the jar where the Akron Zips are 9-0 at this season. They play the Ohio Bobcats, who are 10-9, 2-4 in conference play. And the Bobcats have lost four of their last six games. But they are coming off a 96-68 impressive dominating win over Central Michigan where they made 15 threes in that game. Hopefully the Zips defense can limit that. But what do you guys think? Akron, Ohio on Saturday. Zips win big here. Ohio used to be a team that I was very scared of as a Zips fan. Not so much nowadays. I think the Akron Zips definitely have the edge in this game, in this matchup as, like you mentioned, 2-9 and nine in MAC play. That's, that's rough, and it definitely gives me optimism for the Akron Zips to take this win at home at the JAR. The ESPN Analytics gives Akron a 69.5% chance to win, and not as much as the Miami of Ohio game, but still favoring the Zips in this one. Mitch, do you favor the Zips in this matchup? Yeah, I completely agree wholeheartedly. I think Akron at home, it's unbeatable right now. Like Logan said, the record of Ohio in MAC play is not that great. I'm taking Akron all day. I agree with you guys, but I think it is going to be a very close game. I expect Ohio to score more on the Zips than other teams will in MAC play. Like I said, they made 15 threes yesterday in their win over Central Michigan, and they could show out at the jar, but Akron, they just play so tough at home. And I expect this to be a 2-0 and week for Akron, which will put them at 15-6 and and 7-1 and in MAC play, which I believe would be right behind can stay in the Mid-American Conference standings. Let's keep with our Zips basketball teams, but let's go to the women's team here, and let's talk about their win on Wednesday over the Central Michigan Chippewas. They won 80-65. to They started slow, but the Zips came out strong in the second half as they outscored the Chippewas by 15 in the third quarter alone. Head coach Melissa Jackson, here's what she had to say about the win. Really proud of our resiliency in, in our second half. I thought, um, you know, we, we made some adjustments at halftime, and uh, this group, as they have all year, um, did a really good job of responding, uh, both offensively and defensively. I thought, you know, we, we went to playing behind in the post. Um, that was really effective and digging off of her, and then uh, just was much more aggressive with our press attack, kept the ball in, in the middle of the floor, and uh, was much more aggressive with it. Credit to Central, you know, they came out really strong um, as I thought they would and uh, we got punched in the mouth a little bit but um, we were able to you know chip away and and get it within you know striking distance and um, you know I knew once we got to halftime you know it as long as this team responded we were, we were going to be okay chip away at the Chippewas once again that was head coach of the women's basketball team here at the University of Akron Melissa Jackson and it really was that chipping away that got them the win, like I said, outscoring them by 15 in the third quarter and really coming back strong after halftime. What did you guys think of this win over Central Michigan? 
You know, I thought that the Zips did go, do a great job, just like Melissa Jackson alluded to, bringing it back within a short difference. Uh, stat lines were really good all around. It looks like, looking at the box score, Dominique Camp had a great game going 9 for 14 and scoring 24 points. Reagan Bass also had a great game from the free throw line, 7 for 7, scoring 15 points. Not as great from her with her actual shot percentage, but at the free throw line, 7 for 7. And then Molly Nitzel, of course, my favorite player on the Zips women's basketball team, but no bias, no bias. Went 3 for 5 with 12 points and 11 rebounds, which is great on the boards. I think all-around great statistical win for the Zips women's basketball team against Central Michigan. Yeah, you love to see that performance out of Molly Neitzel getting that double-double. And then no double-double out of Reagan Bass, 11 points, 4 for 16 shooting, 5 rebounds. Not a great game from Akron's best player, but thankfully other players did step up. Uh, Mitch, anything to add to this win? Um, yeah, I think this just shows the grit that Akron's women's basketball team has. And being able to stay focused and hold them to 12 points in the third quarter and then scoring 27, that was huge for the team. Dominique Camp leading the comeback, extremely impressive. And Central Michigan jumped out to a 15-2 to lead in the first quarter, but it just shows how tough we are being able to keep our heads in the game and eventually come out with a pretty solid win. Yeah, it was a really solid win. And you guys both mentioned her name, Dominique Camp, her electric performance against Central Michigan. Here's head coach Melissa Jackson again on Camp's play in that game. She was fantastic. Um, and she's come on and on as the season um, has, has gone on. And uh, we've asked her to be um, much more of a willing scorer. Um, you saw, you know, her ball handling skills, um, just her basketball IQ, the way she could, you know, split defenders, uh, get to the basket. You know, I thought she, she played really, really well tonight um, on both sides of the floor. Um, and she's really, you know, starting to take some leadership and, and be more uh, vocal out there with our team. Um, you know, we're having a lot of good conversation in game. Um, I'm just really happy she's on our team. And I think our team um, is really responding around her. Well, I think we're all happy that Dominique Camp is on our team. This isn't the first time we've mentioned her name on these airwaves. It seems like every single game she has a big role, this one especially with the 26 points. But any night she can go off and really complement that Akron offense that, similar to the men's team, goes through their big, goes through their center in Reagan Bass, the men's team, of course, Enrique Freeman. But Dominique Camp, even on the defensive end, getting three steals, had four rebounds to go along with that big scoring night. Anything to add on Dominique Camp's not only performance against Central Michigan, but her contributions to this women's basketball team? I think Dominique Camp is just as valuable to this roster as anybody else, like Reagan Bass, Molly Neitzel, even Lane Farrell. There's so much value to Dominique Camp being on the floor for the Zips women's basketball team. And outside of just her performance versus Central Michigan, I think going into, obviously, MAC play now and then into the MAC tournament, she will be a very valuable piece to this roster. Yeah, I agree with that assessment. And even if you look at the Zips defense in that game, Central Michigan only made one three-pointer. They were one for 17. And the Zips defense had five blocks and six steals in that game. Very similar to the men's basketball team here, where the Zips defense, great all around, and the offense, good enough to outscore the opposing team. Let's talk about the game yesterday afternoon for the Akron Zips women's basketball team. Did not go their way at Toledo. They lost 76-63. to They were outscored by 12 in the second quarter and could never recover really from that deficit. Reagan Bass did bounce back, though, 24 points, 9 for 14 shooting, 
eight rebounds. She was the only zip to score in double digits, and they had only five points coming off the bench. What do you guys think of this unfortunate loss to the Toledo Rockets? Definitely an unfortunate loss. I think this goes without saying that other players need to step up in these tough games like this. Uh, like you mentioned, Reagan Bass had a great game, 24 points, 9 for 14 from field, from shooting, no three-point shots, and 6 for 7 from the free throw line with eight boards. Good stat line from her, but looking down the rest of the box score, it doesn't look like she got much help from anybody else. Laney Farrell, Rachel Martindale, Dominique Camp, Molly Neitzel, Neitzel excuse me, all had off games, and I definitely think that's tough when you don't have anybody else that's making their shots or helping out in really any aspect, depending on, it doesn't even really matter who you're playing. If you only have one player that's sinking their shots and doing their part, it's just not going to work for you. Yeah, I agree with you. And similar to yesterday's men's Zips win over Western Michigan, the difference was the women's defense. They allowed 76 points. Toledo shot 45.6% from the floor. Toledo only had eight turnovers. So where the Zips women's defense usually does show out and have a strong game, they did not do so yesterday against the Rockets. Anything to add to that, uh, Mitch? Well, yeah, I think the main issue was just getting a little bit of help on offense. They could not get anything going, especially in, I believe, the second quarter where they only scored 11 points. And they didn't have a quarter where they scored over 20 in the entire game. I I think it was a very tough game for us. It was the top two teams in the MAC, but I believe they can rebound. But this was not a great showing. Yeah, hopefully the Zips will be able to rebound, but it won't be easy. They play the Ball State Cardinals on Wednesday in Ball State. They're 15 and four, five and one in MAC play. They're actually first in the Mid American Conference. They're 10 and one at home. You guys think the Akron Zips have a chance here? Yeah, I do. I think that the Zips have a chance in most games that they play. They're a tough team, regardless of the result against Toledo. I definitely think that the Zips have a chance in this one. And my prediction is the Zips still have a chance to, I wouldn't say win the regular season MAC title, but in the tournament, anything can really happen. And I think that the Zips would be dangerous no matter what. Yeah, I think the Zips are right up there in the Mid-American Conference. I think they're in the top three. You know, you have the Zips... You have Toledo, and you have Ball State. That's right. I think those are the three juggernauts to look at here in the MAC. And when it comes to the tournament, anybody can win, really. Right. And if Akron gets hot at the right time, I certainly like their chances against those strong teams. Here, though, coming off the loss to Toledo, I personally don't like their chances going on the road to play a team that averages 79.3 points per game. They have many contributors, which means anyone can get hot in the game and at any time. I like the Cardinals in this one, Mitch. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with Jake here. I did see that I believe they are 9-0 and at home, and they're 5-1 and in the MAC. But Akron is a really gritty team, like I mentioned earlier, so if anyone can pull it out, I think it will be them. But they need to get way more consistent with their shooting. They need to spread the ball and get scoring from a bunch of different players as opposed to one in a game. And I think they have a chance, but Ball State's really tough. I actually remember last week, it was either Marcus or Pat that mentioned it. The women's, on the women's side right now, the MAC is very tight. Like you mentioned, did you say they're third or fourth right now in the MAC? I'm not sure their position, but it's kind of, it's uh, Ball State, Toledo, and I think then the right. Zips are third. So honestly, the, the loss is not something, I'm going to repeat, I, again, I can't remember if it was Pat or Marcus. This loss is not something to hang their head over. The, the, jeez. The MAC for the women's side is very tight. And I think 
going into the tournament, like you said, it really is anybody's game. So being third or fourth in the MAC is not a bad thing right now because you could be third, and then the next day you could be first because it's just that close right now. So the zips are definitely okay, in my opinion. Yeah, we're definitely getting into conference play to start right now. So that conference play record truly matters in these standings, obviously. And you have two teams at the top at 5-1. and one. I did mention Bowling Green. They're actually number one right now, tied with Ball State, who's number two. And then Toledo, Akron are three and four. You'd love to see it. Kent State a little bit further down that list, at least in the women's MAC standings. So if that's not the rebound game for this Zips women's team. Maybe it'll come next Saturday at home against Buffalo. What do you guys think of Buffalo? And do you think this is a, a game that the women's team can actually bounce back from and win? I definitely think this is a game that the women's team can bounce back from and win, like you said. Um, heading into this one, they'll need to have the right mindset. They'll need to have some momentum. But I do think that Mindsel will have a better game. I think that Reagan Bass is always good for 15 to 20 points, and hopefully Dominique Camp performs like she did against Central Michigan. It should be it should be a really good matchup for the Zips. Yeah, I agree with you. Buffalo 8-7. and seven. They lost two in a row by double digits to Ball State and Western Michigan. They're 4-4 four and four on the road. I'd like the Zips to win this one. Mitch, any thoughts on that game? I completely agree with both of you. I got the Zips. This I think this will be the game where they do get a... I wouldn't say a blah, but I think they win convincingly. Buffalo's not the best team. They're eight and seven this year with a pretty inconsistent offense. So I think if Akron can dominate in the inside and, like I said earlier, get that scoring going, I think this will definitely be a really good game for women's basketball. Yeah, I think it will be too. The Arzos teams they play well at home. Akron, give me them over Buffalo next Saturday. That'll do it for our breakdown of both the men's and women's team here at the University of Akron. Both basketball programs playing well right now. I know the women's team did lose yesterday, but again, both the men's and women's team high up there in their respective MAC standings. When we come back from break, we're going to transition to the fight game. Mitch and I will break down UFC 283. And even if you're not a huge fan of of the UFC. If you're not a huge fan of mixed martial arts, stick around because Logan Congrove, he's going to try and predict or pronounce these fighter names, which is going to be fun. You won't want to miss it. We'll do it on the other side. Don't go anywhere. This is Sports Power Talk. Hello, everyone, and welcome back in to the Best Sports Talk Show this side of Lake Erie. My name is Jake Marin, and you're tuning in to Sports Power Talk. Today, I am joined by two analysts across the desk. First, Logan Congrove. What's going on? Actually, before we flip it over to Mitch, I just this seems like a good opportunity to give you a thank you, Jake. Is Jake, it? Jake got me a really nice gift today. It was for Christmas, and we have a delay. We had a delayed exchange because my gift for Jake took two and a half months to get to my house. And Jake got me a Heat Culture shirt, which I don't think the Heat are going to come up the rest of the day. So this is my opportunity. Jake got me a Heat Culture shirt, which is fantastic. I'm looking at it right now, and I can't wait to wear it. So thank you, Jake, for really representing the culture there. Yeah, of course. It was, uh, I mean, I don't represent it. I just, you know, unfortunately had to pay money to Fanatics to get you that shirt. (laughs) And thank you, Logan. You know, you got me a gift as well. A Forge in Ohio flag. Really appreciate that. Yes, sir. Uh, for those of you that don't know, a little plug bell, Forge in Ohio podcast, wherever you get your podcast. But second, joining us today on Sports Power Talk, making his debut, it is Mitch Bates. 
feels great to see a little bit of Jake and Logan love up here in the studio. I'm, I'm enjoying it. Doesn't it's very weird. It's very uncomfortable. Not very comfortable where I'm sitting right now behind the board. But it is what it is. Logan, we're getting on the same page. Hopefully that will change throughout today's show. And Mitch and I are very excited about this segment because we're about to break down what was last night's UFC 283 card. Of course, the first card or the first pay-per-view for the UFC in 2023. And in my opinion, it was a pretty good card top to bottom, including the prelims. Logan, you'll come into effect here in a little bit when we talk about the five main card fights. We'll get your pronunciation of these fighters' names, which nobody will want to miss. I promise you, these names are not easy to pronounce, and Logan will look and sound like a fool. So I'm really looking forward to that. But let's start with the prelims, Mitch. And I want to talk about this fight first. It's Ishmael Bonfim versus Terrence McKinney. I'm not sure if you saw this fight, but the finish is must-see. Did you see it, and what did you think? Yeah, that finish was disgusting. I'm not very happy with it because I was completely bought in on the Terrence McKinney hype train. I thought him and Patty was going to make for an excellent fight sooner rather than later. But seeing him get knocked out crazy like that in the second round, it was pretty disappointing. But it was a insane knockout, and that's going to be on UFC highlight reels all throughout the year. Yeah, that was Bon Theme's UFC debut, won via second round flying knee knockout. He threw the right knee, switched to a left knee, a very early candidate for KO of the year. I would not be surprised if we're talking about this fight a year from today. And unfortunately for Alex Henry, I know he's close with Terrence McKinney. He's interviewed this guy for SPTOT. Apologies go out to you. It just was not Terrence McKinney's night. Another prelim that I want to talk about is actually Ishmael Bonfim's brother also making his UFC debut. I'm talking about Gabriel Bonfim against Munir Lazez. A ton of strikes thrown in the middle of the octagon to start the first round. Bonfim jumped guillotine, rolled into a mounted guillotine, and then won via submission. Only 49 seconds into the first round. This was the sixth fastest submission in UFC welterweight history. I think these Bonfim brothers, the sky is the limit for them in the UFC. I'm really excited to see where they go from here. And then one more prelim I wanted to shout out. It was Bruno Fajeda versus uh, Gregory Rodriguez. Fajeda won by KO four minutes and 13 seconds into round number one. And Fajeda was a plus 255 underdog to RoboCop in this fight. Of course, Gregory Rodriguez in his last fight only four months ago got completely split open between his eyebrows, took this fight on four months notice, which is a good amount of time, but coming off of that serious of a cut, people wanted him to take more time out. He got knocked out in the first round, and Bruno Fajeda looks like the sky is the limit for this man as well. Big underdog. He was actually the first leg of one of my parlays, so I appreciated that win there. And that'll do it for the prelims. Now, let's talk about these five main card fights. And Logan Congrove, this is where you get involved. The first fight, please introduce it to us. It was Paul Craig versus Johnny Walker. All right, one more time. Paul Craig versus Johnny Walker. All right, Paul. Johnny. So, Paul Craig. Craig. That's what I said. Whoa, 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 whoa. I said Craig. Say it again. Craig. You're saying it wrong. That Craig. is ridiculous. Craig. That is a technicality, Jake. That is a technicality. Do you not notice the difference? 
Seriously, like you're saying, Craig. Craig. It's, it's Craig. That's what I said. Mitch. Craig. Come on. That's he's what saying, I said. He's saying it wrong. I'm losing brain cells right now. I don't. <laughs> Say it again. Craig. One more time. Craig. You're saying it wrong. It is Craig. Craig. <laughs> that is what I he said. He is a Scotsman. It is Paul Craig. Oh my. I don't think you're bringing the Scots, like the the Scottish, out of it. That's what you need. Craig. To okay, that was kind of right, but you were saying Craig. No. <laughs> Mitch, did he get it right or wrong? It's, it's up to you. Am I clicking the wrong answer button or the right answer button? Over here, I'm hearing it the same way exactly. from both of you. I I could be wrong right now, but maybe I don't know how to say it right. But well, say it, Mitch. Craig. Sounds like you're saying Craig. Craig. It's Craig. I Craig. said it. Paul Craig. Yeah. Craig. Fine. I'll give you the right. I'll give you that one. Fine. You got it, Logan. I'm not sure if you said it right or wrong. But it is what it is. It is. You got, Johnny, it Walk- is. You got Johnny Walker right, though. I do think you're saying it wrong, though. Of course, well, I in this do think fight- you smell, so. Okay, ha ha. Ha ha. What is that insult? I mean, it's just a. It's, a I'm giving it to you every show that we're on together. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Let's talk about this fight, Mitch. Paul Craig. Versus Johnny Walker. Walker won by KO at 2 minutes and 16 seconds of round number one. And you're looking at me with not the greatest face, Mitch, because you picked Paul Craig to win this fight. And we all knew he was submission or bust. Turns out he was bust, which means your pick for this fight was a bust. What would you think of this fight? Yeah, that pick is in the dirt. Uh, I had no idea that Paul Craig was going to grab Johnny Walker's leg and hold on for dear life even while he's getting pummeled in the face. And even when he fell to the ground, he still had a hold of Johnny Walker's leg. I'm not really sure what happened there. But it was really impressive by Johnny Walker. He looked very composed. He looked calm, collected. And those strikes had some real power behind him. Yeah, they did. He made him punish, or just the punishment he put on to Paul Craig when he was going for that takedown. I mean, it was insane. Went for the takedown. He grabbed Walker's leg. And Johnny, I mean, those thunderous strikes to the head resulted in that first-round KO. I loved it because that was one of my legs for my many parlays that I had going last night for this UFC 283 card. Logan, will bring you back into the mix. We're talking about a women's fight here. I know you're going to get one of these wrong. You're going to get one of them right. Go one fighter at a time for me, Logan. Lauren Murphy. Jessica Andrade. That's right. You got close. You got close. Many people say Andrade. I knew it wasn't that because I heard you guys talking that it wasn't that. Yeah, just so. the, the D's are G's, so it's Andrade. You, you, I think, I believe you said Andrade. Yeah, yeah. So it's Andrade, Jessica Andrade versus Lauren Murphy and Mitch. Where do we even start with this fight? The scorecards. It went to a decision. Jessica Andrade did win. 30 to 25 on two of these scorecards, which means there were two 10-8 rounds on those, and then 30 to 26 on the other scorecard, which means there was one 10-8 round on that one. I mean, it was a dominant performance any way you look at it for Jessica Andrade. What did you think of the beating that Lauren Murphy took last night? Yeah, Jessica Andrade is one of my favorite fighters in all of the women, and she put a battering on Lauren Murphy last night. I mean... It was like every single strike she threw landed. It didn't matter what kind of strike it was. They all landed. She set personal records for significant strikes. I'm pretty sure all of her striking statistics in that fight were personal bests. That 
that pretty much turned out how I thought it would. I thought they would go to the ground a little more due to Andrade shooting, but it was actually Lauren Murphy who was attempting to take her down, but she couldn't get it done. There was really nothing she could do. But she's a warrior, and she took some pretty hard hits and kept on fighting, so I respect her for that. But Andrade was just on a different level last night. Yeah, I agree with you. She was on a different level, and if you're Lauren Murphy... What else are you going to do other than shooting for the takedown, right? I mean, you're going, you're getting obliterated with head strikes by Jessica Andrade. The only way she was staying alive sometimes were at least shooting for a takedown. I don't think she landed any. No. I might be wrong, but at least shoot for it and survive a couple extra seconds. And those couple extra seconds might have been exactly what Lauren Murphy needed to at least stay alive in this fight, which is what she did over the span of three rounds. And let's talk about these significant strike numbers because this really puts it into perspective. So Jessica Andrade landed 231 significant strikes in 15 minutes. This was a three-round fight, which is 15.4 significant strikes per minute, which is unheard of. And it was a new single-fight flyweight record in a three-round fight. Also, via Aaron Bronsetter on Twitter. And this is really crazy to me. Lauren Murphy absorbed 161 significant strikes to the head. In a three-round fight. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this fight, Mitch, but Zhang Wei Li and Yoana Janjersik won. Widely regarded as the best women's fight in UFC history. Combined in that five-round fight, both women absorbed 192 significant strikes to the head. Again, in a five-round contest. So they combined 192 significant strikes to the head. In one fight in three rounds, Lauren Murphy absorbed 161. That's insane, Mitch. Yeah, by the end of that fight, Lauren Murphy did not look like Lauren Murphy. And she took some real bad hits. There's a huge welt over, I believe, her right eye. It, it was an absolute beatdown. And speaking of Zhang Weili, I think that fight with her and Andrade, I think that's the fight to make. I would personally really enjoy that fight. Yeah, that would be insane. Zhang Weili is on a different level right now, but as proven last night, I think Jessica Andrade might be on that same level, if not a notch below it. And I really handicapped this fight very well on our UFC 283 Predictions podcast on Sports Power Talk Overtime. Again, you can get that wherever you get your podcast. But with that podcast, I said I would not be surprised if Lauren Murphy makes it to a decision, which is exactly what happened. I believe you guys both thought... Jessica Andrade would win by KO, and I thought that could happen too in the first or second rounds, but Lauren Murphy has that dog in her sometimes to her own demise, which was certainly the case last night, but Lauren Murphy did survive to a decision, and Jessica Andrade looks to be on the chase for UFC gold. Next fight, though, Logan, I think you're going to get both of these right. Gilbert Burns and Neil Magny. That is a big green check mark there for you. Uh, Gilbert Burns versus Neil Magny and Mitch. I mean, we we all got this one right. Yeah, it was. I think we all saw this coming. I think the only disagreement was in the style that the fight finished, if I'm not wrong. But either way, Gilbert Burns got it done on the ground. It was he made it look really easy. He was standing up with him for a minute there. Took him down. He he made everything happen that he wanted to happen. It looked it was it just looked really easy. It was it shows that there's levels, especially in the welterweight division. I feel, and it Gilbert Burns is on a whole nother level than Neil Magny right now. 
That he is. Neil Magny might have the most wins in welterweight history in the UFC, but Gilbert Burns is still a contender at welterweight in the UFC. I've had this argument with Alex Henry many times before. He is right up there in the top five, and with this win, I would not be surprised if he fights for the welterweight championship in the near future. Of course, that lies on Leon Edwards defending against uh, Kamar Usman, but... I really think highly of Gilbert Burns, and I was not surprised by this at all. He did win via first-round head and arm triangle choke. He got the takedown, advanced to full mount, eventually got the choke. It's exactly what I expected to happen. Burns dominated Magny from start to finish, which did not last very long. And Alex, I know he was giving Neil Magny a lot of credit, saying people were underestimating his skills, but I really just thought Gilbert Burns was going to be better everywhere, which is exactly what happened in that fight let's go to the co-main event a fight that i believe logan congrove you tuned in for but did you tune in and hear the pronunciation of these names yes or no oh yeah i'm i'm deciding between two pronunciations of the first name and i think i'm right because i heard i heard it all i watched this fight i watched the last two but i was tired it was late i was about to go to bed so i'm not gonna lie it, it might be wrong but Davison Figueredo and Brandon Moreno. I'm giving it to you. I'm giving it to you. Yeah. So the Davison obviously is a bit misleading. The last name of that fighter's name I struggle with a lot. It's like the one UFC name I cannot pronounce. Nurmagomedov, 10 times out of 10. Makashev, 10 times out of 10. Figueredo, no, I, I can't do it. I can't do they it. They said Figueredo right. on the card. That's what Bruce Just, Buffer said. For yeah. whatever, well, Bruce Buffer, you cannot trust his pronunciation. <laughs> jo- John Anik is the guy for UFC pronunciations, but for me, that is just one name that I say I can't get it right, or at least I can't get it 100% right to how it's actually supposed to be pronounced. And then Brandon Moreno, I think that's a layup. I'll send it right over to you, Mitch, though. What'd you think of this co main event? Uh, personally, I was a little disappointed. I kind of expected a full five round war. I expected it to be back and forth, not Brandon Moreno 3-0 up to the point where the doctor stopped it. I believe that was after the third round. Davison could not open his eye at all. It was really disgusting to look at, but I think the doctor definitely made the right decision because you got to protect the fighters, and there was no way he could have finished that fight not being able to see. And it was a really good performance by Moreno. Davison's moving out of that division, going up to Bantamweight, which should be really interesting. But for right now, Moreno is the king of the flyweights, and that's well-deserved. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. It was the strikes of the head that has been disputed online, whether it was clean or not by Moreno. I think it was completely clean. It led to the cut on the head of Moreno, the swelling of the eye, and his inability to see from Davison that ultimately ended the fight. The fight had to be ended. I know a lot of people are complaining about it, but the man could not see, compromised as well. Uh, Brandon, he held control positions 46% of the time, and he outlanded Davison 48-19 to on significant strikes. To me, other than the sub-attempt by Davison, it was a very impressive showing by the assassin baby Brandon Moreno. Logan, any thoughts on this fight? I know you tuned in. You were a little bit tired, but I know you were particularly upset about the finish to this fight. I just, as somebody who does not watch UFC, was like, that ending was terrible to me. That The ending to that fight was terrible. Like Mitch said, <clears throat> excuse me, obviously you're looking for a five-round brawl between two really great fighters, especially on the main card. And to have it called by the doctor, which 
Figueredo's eye was pretty messed up. Don't get me wrong. But to have a fight like that called by a, the doctors is uh, is ridiculous to me. And obviously the fans showed their displeasure throwing lots of things at Brandon Moreno, which I thought was pretty funny that he had to get pretty much – the people were pretty much on top of him, getting him out of the arena. But I just didn't like the way that one ended, especially it being a co-main event. Yeah, I, I understand the frustration, but do you at least understand, like, why it was stopped? Does that make sense to you as a, yeah, you know, they not a huge UFC fan? They stopped it because they said he couldn't see out of his eye. Right. Which, I guess that's fair, but to have a fight like that stop, if I was Figueredo, I wouldn't have allowed that to stop me. I, mean, I think, personally, if that fight was not three rounds to zero for Brandon Moreno, I, I can't say it would have kept going. But I think there would have been a inclined, you know, push to keep that fight going. But I, I agree with what you're saying completely. I do too. And if you look at, it, I mean, Davis and Figueredo, I don't think he had a shot at finishing the fight from there on out. Like he has knockout power, but Brandon Moreno has shown in this quadrilogy that he has the chin to oppose that power of Davison, right? In the submission, I don't think he would have submitted Brandon Moreno. I think it would have gone to a decision if he was up 3-0 on the scorecards. Moreno ended up would have ended up winning uh, regardless. I think it was a great performance by him. Unfortunate that the Brazilian crowd did throw things at him on his way out. You don't love to see that walk out by a UFC champion, but the belt is going back to Tijuana. And like you said, Mitch, Davison Figueredo going to bantamweight, which is very, very interesting. Bantamweight, probably the best, most stacked division, not only in the UFC, but in MMA itself. Very excited to see what his move up a different weight class looks like. He is old. He is getting up there in age, but I think he can compete with the top 15 guys at bantamweight. Let's move on, though. Let's get to the main event of the evening. Not a very competitive contest, but Logan, I'm expecting you to know these names, so take it away. Glover Teixeira and Jamal Hill. I'll give it to you. I say Glover. Yeah. But I think you said Glover. Yeah. It's okay. I'll give it to you. You got Jamal Hill, which not many people get because of that H in there. You should have heard Polar Opposites on Thursday when we had Logan Buchanan and Isabel. They were they were trying their best to pronounce that name. I think they kept on saying Jamal. Very, very <laughs> funny stuff there. Just but no. Jamal. Yeah, it is. It is just Jamal. He's from Chicago. Out of uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan now. But best intro of all time. Anyways... Can we talk about that, Logan? Why are you so obsessed with these main event intros? They weren't even that great. They're fire. I don't care what anybody says. What they in don't... the air tonight is crazy, especially when you're coming out to the United States colors. Dope. Yeah, but he's in Brazil. Like, the crowd was not <laughs> yeah. into it at all. And he's repping this country, man. Sure, it was cool from that aspect, but the, the stadium and the fans were not surrounded by him at all. So? We're not supporting him at all. And he was just walking out. It's not like he was doing anything special. It was dope. It was awesome, just the way he just walked out there and looked around and inhaled the feeling. I mean, Glover Teixeira, I understand that. I believe he walked out to, what was it, Jungle? Welcome to the Jungle. Oh, Welcome yeah. to the Jungle, yeah. Like, that was great. Plus, he he's from Brazil. The crowd was behind him. That was a great out, walk out. But Jamal Hill, I can't, I can't get behind that one. It was fire. If you want to see a fire UFC walkout, go to any Israel Adesanya walkout. He walked out as the Undertaker once. He dances sometimes during his walkouts. He's always great. Look at Brian Ortega's walkout when he fought Alexander or Alexander Volkanovsky. That was great. He was wearing like the purge mask. That was fantastic. Also, Chris Barnett, 
Chris Barnett has the best walkout in the UFC. Look that man up right now, Logan, while Mitch and I break down this this uh, main event. Look up Chris Barnett. Look up his walkouts. This man, so entertaining. Mitch, though, I'll send it over to you. What did you think of this main event? Me, personally, this was my favorite fight of the night. I mean, I'm a pretty big Jamal Hill fan. I've believed in him ever since I saw these disgusting knockouts he's been putting together. And I'll be honest, I thought he was going to do the same to to Shara. I predicted an early KO, first or second round. That did not happen. I was extremely impressed with the takedown defense from Jamal. I mean, Glover was 2 for 17 on takedowns, 11.8% in the entire fight. That was extremely key in doing what he had to do to win that fight. He landed a ton of significant strikes, 232 to be exact. He landed some disgusting head kicks, and I'm amazed that Glover kept fighting at some points. He was cut extremely bad over his eye. It was really gruesome if you got to see that, but, I mean, Glover's a warrior, so he kept on pushing, kind of took his beating, and Jamal Hill definitely deserves to be the champ. Yeah. He absolutely does deserve it, and this is the one fight that I got wrong from our prediction show. The scorecard's 50-44 to 44 times 3, which means there was one 10-8 round in Jamal Hill's favor. Teixeira could really never get his wrestling offense going. I do give a lot of credit to Hill for using the jab, using those head kicks and body strikes to keep Teixeira at range. And Hill showed that he has the takedown defense, that he can go five rounds. So very impressive performance from him. But I think Glover wasn't using his wrestling to its full capability. Glover always needed to be in pursuit of a takedown, whether they were set up well or not, because he was getting rocked on the feet time in and time again. Like There were so many moments in this fight where I was questioning the offense from Teixeira. I was like, shoot, what are you doing? Shoot for the takedown. And he wasn't going for it. I think Glover Teixeira has much better takedown offense and takedown accuracy than what he showed last night. I don't want to take anything away from Jamal Hill. It certainly looks like Father Time may have caught up to Glover Teixeira, at least not in terms of toughness, though. I mean, Glover Teixeira, I have no idea how he got to a decision last night, but he did. And congratulations to Jamal Hill for going the distance, proving everybody wrong, and getting UFC gold wrapped around his waist and how emotional he was really put it into perspective how special it is when these athletes break through and claim gold for the first time like John Anik said on the broadcast last night. Logan, before we wrap up this segment, did you look up Chris Barnett? I did. Did you watch the walkout? I will watch it when I get off air so I can listen to it. Okay, well you're going to do that during the break and then we'll get what you think (laughs) at the top of the hour because I'm really interested to see what you say about that Chris Barnett walkout. That'll do it for Mitch and I's breakdown of UFC 283. Of course, many things are in store for the future of the UFC. If you're a fan, go to SBTOT. Follow along with our predictions show. Alex is sitting at 4-1. and one. I'm sitting at 4-1. and one. And Mitch, the new guy, you're sitting at 3-2. and two. A little bit of ground to make up. Yep. Didn't love it, but I think that's a decent start. We'll pick it up as we go. Yeah. All I'm asking for, like, 5-0s and are great, but even 4-1s. and ones. I can live with a solid 4-1 and one from here on out. When we come back from break, we're going to transition. We're going to talk about the NBA, talk about the recent All-Star voting fan update, get into the Cavs Week in Review, and answer that question that I mentioned at the top of the show. What do the Cavs need to do 
to compete with the top four teams in the Eastern Conference. Also, we'll answer all of your questions in Hot Mike from our Twitter page at WZIP Sports. That might be where it gets interesting between uh, Logan and I. So don't miss out. We'll be back top of the hour for more Sports Power Talk on WZIP. Welcome back in to the best sports talk show there is, was, and ever will be. This is Sports Power Talk live from the University of Akron. My name is Jake Murn, the host of your show today, and I am joined by Logan Congrove. What's going on, Eva, Mr. Murn? Oh, you know, last hour of the show. How's it going for you? Oh, fantastic. We've been pretty uh, cordial so far, Logan. For now. For now, yeah. Hot mic is on the horizon. And second, Mitch Bates. How's it going, everybody? One hour in the book, Mitch. How are you feeling for a show? I, I feel all warmed up. I'm ready to go and planning on making some amazing takes as we continue. Yes. We can expect some not-so-amazing takes out of Logan. But, Logan, I asked you to watch a Chris Barnett walkout during the break. Did you do so? I did. And? It was dope, but it's it's not in the air tonight. I can feel it coming in the air tonight. Oh, Lord. Not even close to the same thing, man. That thing is fire. That song is fire. Well, that's getting clipped. <laughs> that's absolutely getting clipped. There we go. But, Logan, there's more than just a song to a walkout, man. doesn't matter. It was the I got chills looking at it, bro. He just came out, didn't say a word, just walked to the arena with his team. Blue lights everywhere. And I've been waiting for this moment all of my life. Oh, Lord. And it actually made that song okay for me again after Baker Baker Interception Maker ruined it. Dude, what are you what are you doing on radio, man? You should go be like an artist. Go on uh, America's Got Talent. Show you hey, all your skills. I, could, I was in choir for six years, if I do say so myself, to my own horn a little bit. And that's what you got out of it? Hey, man, I used to be a tenor, and I used to try a lot harder. But I won't flex on y'all that hard. I won't flex on y'all that hard, for real. Okay. Hopefully no more singing out of Logan Congrove on today's show. But let's get to the NBA. Let's oh, put the walkouts aside. <laughs> let's put the walkouts aside. Let's get to the NBA. Let's talk about the final fan return of the NBA All-Star voting. Of course, this update. And, Logan, I know you're very opposed to the fan voting. But Dumbest thing of all time. <laughs> LeBron and Giannis are now the top vote getters in the front court. Giannis Antetokounmpo passed Kevin Durant. Uh, Steph Curry and Kyrie Irving were the top vote getters for guards. What do you guys think of just those, the, the top vote getters in each category? First of all, Actually, I'll save that for when we talk about that specific game. I'll just talk about I'll talk about the list. Never mind. I think obviously LeBron James is the correct thing up front. I I hate fan voting. I should say it first, as you alluded to. I hate fan voting. I think it's a joke. But if we're going to talk about it, LeBron and Giannis obviously are good in the front court. Kevin Durant, Jokic, yeah. Why is Anthony Davis third in the West for front court? That's ridiculous. And then like, same with Zion and Andrew Rick, like. It just doesn't make... Kevon Looney is on the list. Like, he's having a good season, but are we serious? Are we really serious? And then over on the east side, Nick Claxton? Are we serious, dude? Come on. Come on. Jimmy Butler should be number one, first of all. And I, I actually like Paolo. I think he ends up having a really good career. 
with the Magic and will be an all-star. But I'm not putting Paolo at eighth right now, bro. I don't know. For for the front court for me, everything looks okay until you start to get down lower in the list and it's stupid. You just say Jimmy Butler deserves to be number one. Yeah. <laughs> Over the likes of Joel Embiid, Jason Tatum, Kevin Durant, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. For the culture. Well, your culture isn't voting for this, okay? That's what it all what comes have I said, down to. What have I said before? That our fans are horrible. You're either, I don't understand the correlation. How are your fans terrible, but this thing called heat because, culture is so oh, great? Here we go. Here it is, Jake. If we weren't going to do this today. Bad. This has nothing to do with the heat culture. But here we go, Jake. We'll talk about heat culture. Let me just give you a slight rundown for the 600 millionth time. The people that are in the culture are the best. The people that care, that love it. Those are the fans that matter. Then you've got this, the Floridians that just show up because it's a party environment. And it's something to do. And then as soon as the beaches and the clubs open, they leave. It doesn't matter. The people that truly love the Heat are a part of the culture. But I'll stop there because, you know, I want to hear Mitch talk. It's his first show. <laughs> so, hold on. So, people who are in Heat culture are the true loyalists, the best fans, right? But yes. there's not many of them? That's what your argument is? No, that's not my <laughs> argument. There's thousands of them. But the fans that aren't voting are not real Heat fans. Are you putting this together, Mitch? Because I'm not. Um, I'm attempting to. Listen, Mitch has known me for a lot longer. I've been repping the Heat since Mitch was a sophomore in high school when yep. we met. So, Mitch Mitch knows I'm serious. Mitch knows. I'd be talking about this. Me and Mitch used to be on podcasts on an iPad. And I know he's listening, so I'm saying the name. On Mr. Ben Dunlap's classroom. We used to talk, have podcasts on an iPad. We'd take the iPad, turn the camera on, and use a video because there wasn't even a, vi- a voice recording thing to do it. And I would sit there and grind talk about the heat. And Mitch would sometimes agree with me. Shout out done for the OG podcast, for real. But enough about me, enough about the heat. I want to hear Mitch's opinions because I'm tired of talking to Jake about heat culture. All right. So I agree with Logan as far as the top of the list. They're pretty solid. Giannis, Kevin Durant, Tatum, LeBron James, Jokic. I definitely don't agree with Anthony Davis. No. But I had a problem when we get to Warriors fans voting for all five of their starters as players that are in the fan voting for the All-Star game. I also have a problem with Austin Reeves being over Devin Booker and De'Aaron Fox for the Western Guards. That's why fan that make, voting is terrible. It makes no... I also despise fan voting. Derek Rose is above Darius Garland. I have no idea what we're talking Jared about. Jared Allen isn't even on the list. Yeah. I, I did... I do like Nick Claxton this year. He's a lot better than he was last year. His improvement has been very outstanding for me. And we are not giving enough respect to the GOAT Julius Randle. Julius Randle should never be under Kyle Kuzma. He should never be under Paulo Banchero. He should be your top five. You're correct there because last season, Julius Randle was in the MVP conversation. Like, seriously, he was third or fourth in that conversation. So I agree with you 100%. I think he is this year, too. I mean, maybe not top five, but I definitely think he should be considered. He's been on a roll. And I'm not a Knicks fan. Let's not get that confused. But I think the Knicks, as long as Julius Randle is playing like this, they have a real opportunity to make some noise in the playoffs but as far as the all-star voting fan voting is terrible it's not needed let's get kevon looney out of the front (laughs) court for the west that should never be a thing i'm not sure if i agree with the julius randall take i certainly don't agree with the jimmy butler take but if we're looking at fan voting 
I agree with you guys. That, like, it, it makes no sense by any means. But I think the top vote getters in each category actually makes perfect sense. When you go down the list, sure, you have those discrepancies. You think of Darius Garland should be ahead of Derrick Rose. You think Darren Fox. Like The guys at the bottom of the list don't make sense. But the top three, four vote getters in each category... You can't really argue with it. You think Anthony Davis should be third in the Western Conference front court right now? I don't hate it. Oh, man, he's been injured. So has the guy behind him in Zion. Exactly my point. Those two are extremely questionable. So what, you think Andrew Wiggins should go up to three? No, I don't think Andrew Wiggins should even be on that list. So who should be three? Who should be three behind uh, James and Jokic? Lowry Markkinen. That's bold. I act- Are you guys serious? Are you seeing no. the way he's playing? Jay I heard on these airwaves when we traded for Donovan Mitchell. You know what your first reaction was? I'm sorry not- we didn't keep Lowry. Yeah. yeah, you said, oh, man, we lost Lowry. Not we got Donovan Mitchell. We lost Lowry. Yeah, and that take is aging like wine because he's yes. playing great in Utah. Exactly. And, and I should know. be ahead of Anthony Davis and Zion, who has been injured over half of the season. Sure, sure. I, I'm okay with that. But I don't have a problem with Anthony Davis at number three. Lowry's still going to make the All-Star game. If you look at the front court for the East, Giannis, KD, Jason Tatum, Joel Embiid. I mean, you could argue the order of those four, but those are the top four guys in the Eastern Conference for the front court. If you look at Eastern Conference guards, Kyrie Irving, Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brown, those are the top three guys. You can argue the order. Those are the top three guys, though. Western Conference guards, Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, John Morant, Shagil, just Alexander. Those are the top four guys. You could argue Luka goes ahead of Steph, which I would argue, but those are the top four guys. So in each category, the top three, four guys makes sense. I would say every category except the Western Conference front court is okay because they're the obvious. Those are the guys that not only fans love, but are also in the correct spot. I also think the Western Conference front court has the most weakest players. Like you have your LeBron James, Nikola Jokic. Those are elite guys, but there's a huge drop-off between them and everybody else. Fair point. To where you can kind of put them in an order that you put them in. Other than that, though, I do think fan voting is not that bad. We've been mentioning his name a lot, though. LeBron James. Been in the headlines because he's on the chase for the all-time scoring record. He has 38,127 career points, which is 261 behind Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for most career points in NBA history. And the NBA intends on widely broadcasting Lakers games as LeBron gets closer to passing Kareem's record. Thoughts on that and thoughts on LeBron's chase for this record? I am not a LeBron fan, as many people up here know. However... I'm willing to admit if LeBron James, not if, it's a win at this point. When LeBron James breaks the scoring record, I I am running out of arguments for him to not be the GOAT. That that pretty much will flip my opinion when that happens. As As alluding to the broadcasting Lakers games widely, he has, I believe, he's probably a little under 300 to go now, maybe like, Closer to 250, probably. It's 261. Yeah. So, obviously, he's not scoring 100 points in a game. I I think that ESPN could give it a little bit more time before they start bumping other things to broadcast Lakers games. I think they're using this as an excuse because they love the Lakers, even when they're awful, to broadcast Lakers games for no reason. But once it gets closer, I absolutely understand it. But I know a lot of people were very upset with the Aaron Judge coverage. But that was also 
in my opinion, not the same magnitude. I think LeBron James breaking the NBA scoring record is a huge deal. But I do think if I'm ESPN, I think it's just an excuse to broadcast more Lakers games as of right now until it gets closer. Yeah, I agree with you on that. In terms of Aaron Judge, I mean, it was at least an at-bat. You know, it was just his bat. Like, when he was up to the plate, that's what they would show. This, they're actually showing the entire Lakers game. And I agree with you that they could push it back a little bit, him being 261 points behind Kareem. And it will be a huge accomplishment for him in his career by being the all-time scorer. Again, just something to add to his list of accomplishments in his career and something to add to the GOAT debate. Any thought on this conversation, Mitch? Yeah, with the GOAT debate, I don't like discussing what player is better than another player when they don't play at the same time and they play different positions. But I think it's getting pretty hard to deny LeBron James as the greatest of all time. You're not going to hear me say it. I think it's the closest thing to it because I know that I wasn't sitting here watching Michael Jordan as a kid the way I've been sitting and watching LeBron for pretty much the entire time of my life that I've been interested in basketball. But that's that's an incredible accomplishment for any player ever to beat Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's all-time scoring record. And, I mean, if you ask me, LeBron's the GOAT. Yeah, I agree with that one. And, Logan, you can say you don't like him all you want, but I know that LeBron James has two wallpapers in your phone. One. And <laughs> well, he's in a heat uniform. And actually, right now, my wallpaper is Jared Allen. Of course it is. Love but you, you need the inspiration sometimes by LeBron James as being your wallpaper, right? Nah. Jake, you know, I got a couple wallpapers, okay? I got Michael Jordan, the GOAT, Kobe celebrating a championship, LeBron dunking in a heat uniform, Messi, and then if you scroll down a little bit, I got Messi and Pele, and then to end it all out, we got Jared Allen, and we got Livy Dunn. So my la- I've been flipping between Livy Dunn and Jared Allen the last couple of days. But the one person you hate in that list is LeBron James, and he has a wallpaper. Yeah, but it's a fire picture. It's the aesthetics. And Alex Henry will agree with you. It's the aesthetics. You make but no sense. You make no sense. But yeah, yeah, shout out Livy Dunn for real. I do not know who that is. Hey, that's great. That's <laughs> great. That's great. <laughs> Let's talk about the Cavs. Let's talk about Jared Allen and the Cavs. Um, their week in review. I mean, they they beat the Pelicans on Monday, Martin Luther King Day. Uh, they won one thirteen to one oh three, and then against the Grizzlies on Wednesday, they won one fifteen to one fourteen. But a game that we do have to talk about. Let's talk about the game on Friday against the Warriors. Logan, you were at this game. Hey, uh, I'll just let you take it away, man. Oh, I'll take it away. So um, I'm I'm excited for this game all week. Me and Alex Henry driving up there, um, and I see a tweet from Chris Fedor. My, my good friend Chris Fedor that we sit with in the pressers now. And it says, the Warriors will be resting all of their starters tonight, except Jordan Poole. And I was dumbfounded. I was very irritated. It really took the air out of the game. Then we get to the game. Alex and I are doing our thing, getting stuff ready. We're down on the court during warm-ups, which is a very cool experience. And I'm, Alex and I are like, how can we make this game more interesting tonight? Couldn't think of a single thing. Couldn't think of a single thing. So we're going through the coverage, and not only did nobody play, and we didn't get to watch. My our, our major goal was to stand behind Steph Curry while he took threes in warm-ups. It just would be so cool to be that close to it. 
which didn't happen. I did meet Jordan Poole. I did meet Andre Iguodala, which was pretty cool. Got to say, I want Iguodala to Andre Iguodala's face, which was also awesome. And then we got absolutely yammed on by the likes of Jordan Poole and Ty Jerome, who I didn't even know was on the Warriors roster until I saw the lineups. So the Cavs, obviously, in the presser after, very disappointed. J.B. Bickerstaff said his words were, we disrespected the game of basketball tonight. They're still the NBA champions regardless of who's on, their, who's on the floor. We disrespected them. We disrespected the game. Got up and left. That was it. And then the interviewees were Karis Levert and Darius Garland. Darius Garland had like 32, I think. And both very discouraged, upset. Did not like J.B. Bickerstaff's comment either. When Kelsey Russo asked her question, she said, repeated what J.B.'s answer was and said, you know, what are your thoughts on this? Do you feel you disrespected the game? And Darius and Karis are both like, nah, like that's not at all it. So I don't know. That may have created a little bit of tension in the locker room. But definitely not a good night for the Cleveland Cavaliers. And WZIP was in-house, but it was a little bit disappointing. And now WZIP's undefeated record at Cleveland Cavaliers games is in the tubes. Yeah, that it is. And really what concerned me most are were those press conferences after the game and seeing the difference between the answers between the players and a JB. Obviously something you noted as well, Logan. Mitch, the Cavs lost to the Warriors B squad. What do you think about it? Yeah, so originally when Cavaliers games were brought up with the WZIP staff, I wanted to go to this game. I was told by Alex, I'm already going with Logan, got it set up. I'm not too upset that I missed this game now. You know, I, I don't think I would have been nearly as satisfied telling Iguodala that I want him to his face. But losing to the Warriors JV squad just is a terrible feeling. I knew Jordan Poole was going to put everything together for that team as he did but Ty Jerome that kind of hurt that kind of hurt and I know we didn't have Donovan Mitchell either and that's definitely something that's holding us back currently without Donovan Mitchell but it's just pretty embarrassing for one of the teams that's supposed to be top five in the east and it's just sad yeah it was the Warriors did not play Steph Curry Clay Thompson Draymond Green and Andrew Wiggins Yet they went 23 for 43 from three-point range at a 53.5% clip. They did bounce back, though, against the Bucks uh, last night, 114-102 to win at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. The world is not over just because the Cavs lost to the Warriors' B team. It's fine. They bounced back against the Bucks, and the Cavs are still without Donovan Mitchell. This coming week for the Cavs, they play the Knicks on Tuesday, the Rockets on Thursday, and the Thunder on Friday. All three of those games taking place on the road. But the question I wanted to ask you guys and really throw it out there, how do the Cavs compete with the top four teams in the Eastern Conference? Mitch, I'll go to you first. Well, I think something that's very important is you need to start winning away games. The Cavs, Cavs are 20-5 and five at home. They're 9-14 and 14 on the road. That's obviously a very big difference. They need to keep their shooters consistent with Okoro, Garland, Mitchell. And I think the most important thing is getting Donovan Mitchell back on the court. It's clearly a different team when he's playing versus when he's not playing. We'll have insanely an insanely higher chance of winning those away games if Donovan Mitchell's on the court. I think right now that's the most important thing. 
Yeah, I agree with that take. Logan, what do you think? I agree. Mitch touched on it. Got to win some away games. And I think that time, I hate to say this because I do like the guy, especially from an interview perspective, but J.B. Bickerstaff's time management and rotations have got to improve. I There are some guys that are getting too much time and you can say whatever you want about me after this take, but Kevin Love is killing us, man. Kevin Love should not be getting the type of minutes that he's getting anymore. He's a great veteran presence. And honestly, I'm not even going to say I like the guy. Normally I would say I like the guy, but he's not He's not helping the team. I don't like the guy. And Alex Henry would agree with me. I don't like Kevin Love. He is never smiling, is always, always just not with it. He always seems like the rest of the team is just too young for him. He's just above everybody. I can't stand it. So on a, even on a personal level, I don't like Kevin Love. But on a basketball level right now, he is hurting the Cavs so bad. He took all the – I forget. It was against New Orleans. He was shooting so many shots and just could not connect on any of them. Same case against – he actually did a little better against the Warriors. I think he had 12 points, 12 give or take. But on a night-to-night basis, Kevin Love should not be getting a role like he has. Jetty Osmond getting way too many minutes. Another guy, Lamar Stevens, way too many minutes. I just don't understand JB's rotations sometimes. And it's come into question multiple times in the media. And I, I didn't like the tension in that press conference between Darius and JB. It seemed like they weren't really on the same page there. So if Lamar Stevens, Jetty Osmond, and Kevin Love should be playing fewer minutes, who should be picking up those minutes? I, I'm not, I don't really have an answer to that, to be honest. That might be a question for the deadline, the trade deadline, the February 9th deadline. I think, which I know is on our outline, we'll get into that, but I don't know. I just think that especially Kevin Love needs to not be getting the time on the four that he's receiving. I'm not on... I'm actually, excuse me, I actually like the play of Raul Meadow lately. Raul Meadow is a guy that has not gotten a lot of minutes, and when he has been getting in recently, he's been doing his part. I think Raul Neto should be picking up some of the minutes in place of guys like them. Well, you Raul have to Meadows think about positions, too. I mean, he's not going to go in there and be a Kevin Love-type figure. No. He's in there to play behind Darius Garland and I now behind be a, Ricky Rubio. I could be a Kevin Love-type figure. No, right you could not be. <laughs> yes, I could. You'd get swatted in a second. Kevin man. Love is a scrub. He... <laughs> Th- this was the talk of town last year with the Cavs, right? Get rid of Kevin Love. Get rid of Kevin Love. We're not going to get rid of him. We won't. We just won't. We which could. Is, I which mean, he's dumb. taking up a lot of cap space. And not, like you said, and is like um, he's not helping himself get traded. Even if the Cavs were to get rid of him right now, no one wants his contract for him to go 0 for 8 and never smile at anybody. Well, Nobody wants say, that. I didn't say we were going to get a good return for him, but dumping that contract dumping that cap space and getting something or at least giving those minutes to somebody else on the team could be beneficial, but I'm not totally on that train yet where I'm back slamming Kevin Love, saying get off our team, get fewer minutes. I think he's just fine. He just needs to stick to his role. He just needs to stick to his role. Which should be and the I think end the of key, the bench. I think the key here <laughs> is improving perimeter defense. We saw it against yes. the Warriors. Yes. And get Dean Wade, who just made his return yesterday against the Bucks. And Ricky Rubio accumulated and get them accumulated quickly. And also the effort without the basketball, this whole team, the movement, the rebounding, the aggressiveness, they need to start playing like the young team that they are and outplay other teams, whether it leads to a win or not. I just want to see that effort night in and night out by all these 
all these players on this team. I don't think Kevin Love should be at the end of the bench, Logan, but I think they're just fine. Get Donovan Mitchell back on the floor, and I think we will go up in the Eastern Conference. Kevin Love be like a Udonis Haslam type figure, man. Just keep him at the end of the bench, be the veteran presence, and stop playing. Now you're talking about a guy that doesn't deserve an NBA contract. Oh, you're delusional. You're actually delusional saying that out loud. Did you just hear what you just said? (laughs) Yeah, I did, because I believe in it. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. How many points is he averaging this year? What did I just say? <laughs> oh, wait, yeah. I, what did I just say? It's that heat culture, right? Oh. That's what it is. Jake. That's what it is. It's, it's it's what his did I just say? I said transition him to a veteran presence. to Be a guy like Udonis Haslam and not play. Just be on the bench and talk and help. Be but the veteran Udonis presence. Haslam does nothing. That's for what the heat. I just Said. But the veteran presence for Udonis Haslam doesn't mean doesn't help the Heat oh, in any you're way. Dumb. You're dumb. You're it doesn't help the Heat in any way. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, Akron. You think Udonis Haslam has that big of an effect on the Miami Heat? Yes, and any no. Heat fan will tell you that. Oh yeah, there's so many <laughs> Heat fans out there. We already talked about this, Logan. Oh, there's so goodness, many. Jake. Jake, 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 Jake. Jake. Killing it, man. You're killing me, man. You're killing me, gonna, Smalls? Gosh. I didn't think this was going to happen today, Logan, but it has happened. Gorsh, goofy. Killing me, man. <laughs> Mitch, is this what you were looking forward to today? Hey, this is great. I enjoy being here for this. It's different being here. This kid's delusional. Not you, I'm Mitch. delusional? Mitch is, yeah, you're delusional. I'm not delusional, Logan. I'm right. Udonis Haslam, get him out of here. Kevin Love. Keep Kevin Love out here then. No. Keep that same energy when no. he's terrible. I hope he lights it up in the next game. He will Tuesday. never, Watch. ever, ever do that. <laughs> well, we'll see. Uh, we're going to head to break already. When we come back, this then guy. we're going to get to Hot Mike. We're going to answer all of your questions from our Twitter page, at WZIP Sports. You're not going to want to miss that. Then we'll transition and talk about the NFL playoffs, what happened yesterday, what's going to happen today. We'll also talk about the Browns coaching changes, having a round-the-root question about the Super Bowl prediction, all that and more coming up next on Sports Power Talk. What's going on, everyone? Welcome in to the final segment of today's Sports Power Talk, the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. My name is Jake Murray, the host of your show today, and I am joined by Logan Congrove. What's going on? Unfortunately, I'm joined by him. And second, I am joined by Mitch Bates. How's it going? Man, we had a fiery segment last segment, and hopefully that energy continues as we're about to go to our Twitter, at WZIP Sports, for Hot Mike. Let's get to the questions, and first up, Logan, it's Jake Mernigo. Gotta love him. Shocker. He asks, Logan, if you are so confident on the Heat versus Kings matchup in the NBA Finals, then place a $5 bet on it. Hey, we're not supposed to talk about betting on the air, but I will. this is probably okay. I already did. In certain circumstances. I already did, and it was way more than $5. So, Heat Kings NBA Finals, next question. I mean, you made a bet seconds before we went on air today with Saba. Yeah, and I'm going to win that one, too. You know how many bets I've witnessed you lose, Logan? Yeah, well, an unhealthy you know what amount. they say? You know what Deion Waiters said? You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. But you're consistently <laughs> missing and losing money along hey, the way. You know what else Deion Waiters said? I'd rather, be, I'd rather be one for 100 than one for two because that means you stop shooting. Why are you looking up to Dion Waiters, Logan, of all people? You know why? Because he's for the culture. 
going to make a wallpaper of him after the show? Yes. All right. I look forward to it's it. my boy, Dion. Next up, he asked, Mitch, what got you into WZIP? Um, well, to be honest, Logan's the one that proposed the idea to me. and One of the few good things he's done, yeah. Yeah. It's, but truthfully, it was a really big deal. I think that WZIP, with the short time I've been here, has kind of reminded me why I do love Akron. And it's kind of given me a reason to be here. So I do appreciate Logan for that in yes, all sir. seriousness. And I hope to keep going and get more and more involved as time goes on. Yeah, we look forward to it, Mitch. Great to have you on the show for the first time. Doing a great job. Next up, Jake Mernigo. Who's better, Habib or John Jones? Mainly for for Mitch and I. Uh, personally, I believe John Jones. I think John yeah. Jones has the best track record out of any UFC fighter ever. I know Khabib is dominant and one of the best wrestlers in UFC history. But John Jones for me is on a different level than anybody. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Habib. Great wrestler, but John Jones, he can do it all. Very well-rounded. All the title defenses in his career. John John Jones is probably number one. Uh, George St. Pierre right there as well. And then maybe Habib at number three. Um, not a question, but he wants you to follow him, Logan. No. Absolutely not. <laughs> Good try, though. Last question from Jake Murdergoat. Thank the Lord. Says, uh, what's better, the whip or the nay-nay? Real ones know. For for those of you that don't know, another polar opposite oh. on the contrary question that, that leads to hey. Hot Mike on Sports Power Talk. So Alex and I host a DJ radio show on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 3 to 5 called Polar Opposites. We have a segment called On the Contrary where we debate about really any topic and get people listening to call in and settle the debate. And this one was what's better, the whip or the nay-nay? And Jake Myrnagoat actually called in himself and disagreed with me that the whip was better than the nay-nay, and he said the nay-nay. Alex won that one. I was a little salty about it, but it was a great segment. What do you guys think, whip or nay-nay? Now watch me whip. Now watch me nay-nay. It's the whip. Dude, this show is full <laughs> of clips, Logan. I'm going to have fun today. I'm going to go home. It's the whip. The I'm going to cool have whip. all three hours, like the two-hour clip, the and whip. I'm going to... The cool whip? Oh, it is going to be fun today. <laughs> whip? Answers whip. We actually agree. We agree on that one. Watch me whip. Okay, Mitch, bring bring something here. Come we on. we all agree. It's it's the whip. The whip is iconic. Oh, see, this makes me feel a little bit better. Even though I believe Alex put a Instagram poll out there. What's better, whip or nene? I believe nene won. But Jake Alex, got. I'll sing all I want. Stop tweeting. Alex does hit a nasty nene. Saw it many times on Thursday in this very studio. Uh, next up, we go to Zachary Stratton. I believe one of your friends, Logan. Yes, sir. Um, he asked a couple questions. First, if you're a new NFL GM, who gets to choose between Mahomes, Allen, or Burrow as your QB effective immediately? Who are you taking? Josh Allen, 100%. Joe Burrow, they're all great. Patrick Mahomes is a little bit injury prone, but so is Josh Allen, I guess. But I see more upside to Josh Allen to start a franchise right now than Patrick Mahomes or, or Joe Burrow. Uh, personally, I I have to agree. I'm surprised I have to agree, but I'm taking Josh Allen over pretty much any quarterback in the league right now to start with today, besides maybe Lamar Jackson. But he's also injury-prone, too. And I've, I'll take Josh Allen. I'm going to agree with you guys. 
I think Josh Allen is a safe pick, but also Josh Allen, you have to consider his rushing ability too. He is kind of a dual-threat quarterback. Mahomes, he has one of the best arms in NFL history, can make great plays. You saw the sidearm throw yesterday against the Jacksonville Jaguars, which we'll get to that game and more in just a minute. But Mahomes is great. I just think Allen is more versatile. Give me Allen if I were to start a franchise today. Uh, Stratton also asked probably a Jake question, but I'd love to hear from everyone, especially Logan. Who won the Pablo Lopez trade, the Marlins or the Twins? Jake, do you have that trade pulled up by chance? I know Pablo Lopez. Or do you know the details? I believe it was Pablo Lopez of the Miami Marlins went to the Twins, and the Twins sent Luis Arise to the Miami Marlins. Ooh. Like I said, I'm not a huge baseball person, but I think that's a pretty even trade from the knowledge that I do have. You probably have a more descriptive answer than that, but I think that Arise is a great player, too. Seems like it's pretty even to me. I mean, Arise, he was up there in terms of batting average in the American League. Definitely a great hitter, but he does struggle. He's really good against righties, I believe. Struggles against lefties. So he he does have that handicap to him. Going to the Marlins, I mean, the Marlins are nothing special, but the Marlins, what they were known for was their starting pitching. It was Sandy Alcantara and Pablo Lopez. Right. I think the Twins got a lot better because the Twins are actually competing for something. And by getting Pablo Lopez and adding that to their rotation, I think they're going to be really dangerous this year. And the Marlins, they got a good batter. They'll throw him in there with Jazz Chisholm, but I don't really expect much from the Marlins. I think that the Twins won the trade, but I agree. I mean, it was two good players, just obviously different positions and different skill sets along with it. Next up, Jeff Longville, former member of WZIP Sports, asked, do you guys think Deion Sanders will offer Ed Reed a position on his staff after Reed's head coaching job fell through? First of all, that's all blasphemous to me. All the things that Ed Reed was doing for Bethune-Cookman before even having a contract and then having it pulled is kind of it's just absurd. It's a bad look for HBCUs. It's a bad look for the SWAC. It's definitely a bad look for Bethune-Cookman to let an NFL Hall of Famer walk away. Look what that did for Jackson State with Deion Sanders. I think yeah, I could see it. Deion Sanders was visibly upset with the situation with Ed Reed. And Ed Reed definitely voices displeasure on multiple platforms with the university and what's going on. And his players voiced their displeasure. There was There is a petition going around to reinstate him. But even if that goes through, I doubt he would want to work for them anyway. However, to answer that specific question, yeah, I could see, I could see Deion Sanders bringing him in. I actually wasn't aware of this. Um... Yeah, I mean, I guess it could happen. I mean, maybe those two egos clash coaching together, but I actually wasn't aware that Ed Reed's position, position excuse me, fell through. Any thoughts on that, Mitch? Yeah, I completely agree with Logan. I think that's a terrible move to pull Ed Reed from the team like that, but I think Deion Sanders is the type of guy that would give Ed Reed a contract to coach for Colorado, and I'm not sure if those two personalities would work out together or clash it's kind of like a Westbrook Harden type thing where it's two greats on one team and I'm not sure how they would mesh together but I think Dion would definitely take the opportunity to give him a contract so I agree with that at least yeah we'll see what happens there in the college football uh, coaching landscape three more questions in this week's edition of Hot Mike we go to Luke the VIP who asks with the NBA deadline quickly approaching, who should be on the Cavs' radar? 
Ooh, so this is what I was kind of alluding to when I talked about changes that the Cavaliers can make. I I really like Karis LeVert, but I do think Karis LeVert is probably on the trade block as multiple reports have come out with. The Cavs, we need to improve perimeter defense 100%. I think if you can get the right return for Karis LeVert, I would look into trading Karis LeVert for... I really liked that three-team trade with the Jazz. I, I forget what the details of it were, but I guess I don't really have a specific player in mind, but perimeter defense is needed and we also need another shooter because, obviously, when Donovan Mitchell doesn't play or Darius Garland doesn't play, Evan Mobley's not going to score 38 every night. Like, last night was fantastic for him, but that's just not going to happen every single night. There has to be somebody else that can shoot to replace Karras, and we also need perimeter defense really badly. Yeah, I think Logan took the words right out of my mouth right there. I also, kind of touching on what happened earlier, I think Kevin Wesley Love needs to be out of Cleveland I know the valuation for him is not going to be great. He's got a pretty big contract, and he's not producing at all right now. But I think if you can get him and Levert out at the same time, that's I think that's the move you do. I don't want the Cavs to trade Levert because I'm actually a pretty good, pretty big Karis Levert fan. But I think if it's going to happen, you got to get K Love out of there with him, and you definitely need another shooter. That's one of the things I totally agree with someone who can shoot behind the arc take a little bit of pressure off of guys like Mitchell and Garland to consistently be the only guy shooting there and that's what I think they should do and in terms of names on the radar you mentioned the three-team trade Logan the big headline there was Malik Beasley to Cleveland from the Utah Jazz another name that I like is Pistons forward Bojan Bogdanovich Love what he's doing this year. 21.3 points per game, 41% from behind the three-point line. That's really what we're looking for, as you guys mentioned. Detroit's asking price is high. They're looking for like an NBA-ready player, a first-round draft pick, but ultimately I think that the Cavs should give up that. I mean, the Cavs' draft picks don't mean anything right now. They are already a young team. They're competing right now. Go get a guy like Bojan Bogdanovic to really add some fuel to this young team. Two more questions. Matt Permuka of WZIP Sports asks, if you had the opportunity to party with any former Browns head coach, who would it be and why? Mm, I'm going to go with Freddie. I feel like he cooks some good food. <laughs> but Mitch. I was going to say the same thing about Freddie, but Logan took it out of my mouth. I would say Freddie or Rob Chudzinski. Rob Chudzinski was a funny name. Rob Chudzinski seems like he'd be a real uptight guy. I would want to sit down with Hugh Jackson and ask him why he was so miserable at his job. I think that'd be fun. That'd be a fun little dinner date right there. Yeah. Maybe interview him on whatever place he's coaching now. Yeah. I think that would be fun. I think I could sit down with Maybe Bill Belichick. Williams. Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick yeah. would be a cool one. Yeah, that's a good one, too. Mm-hmm. Last question in this week's edition of Hot Mike. It's from our general manager, guys. Wonder if he's listening right now. Yeah. It is Chris Kepler. This is a very interesting question. What is the most legit sport that is largely overlooked by mainstream media? Ooh, great question, Chris. I would say I'd say hockey. I'm gonna give it to Dan and Pat and Casey. I'm gonna give it to the NHL hockey. 
we don't even talk about it that much up here outside of SPTOT when someone other than Pat or Dan when he was up here or Casey is on. I would definitely say the NHL. It's not a bad pick. For whatever reason, I was thinking more of like Olympic sports or European sports. I'm going to go rugby. I think that's my pick. Okay. Mitch, what do you think? Yeah, I might have a personal bias, but I never hear anything about track besides in the Olympics sometimes. But I'm I'm a big track guy, ran track for six years, so I think it's that. I know that it's a lot more than just running like people think it is, so people tend to overlook it, but I would go with track. Yeah, I think all three of us had good picks there for that question. That'll do it for Hot Mike. Before we end today's show, we have a lot of NFL news, headlines, Browns news to get into, so let's get right into it. Let's talk about the Browns coaching changes. Bill Callahan was extended as the offensive line coach. Interested to see how they perform, that unit performs next season with Deshaun Watson, but the biggest headline, Jim Schwartz hired as the new defensive coordinator. He spent the last two seasons as a senior defensive assistant with the Titans. He was the previous defensive coordinator of the Titans, Bills, and Eagles and had top 10 defenses with each team. And he was a defensive coordinator of the Eagles when they won the Super Bowl in 2018. Guys, what do you think of Schwartz as the hire for D.C.? Fantastic hire. High praise from a lot of athletes around the NFL. Obviously, a Super Bowl winning defensive coordinator has been a head coach. Even though it wasn't successful, he is one of the two 0-16 head coaches in NFL history. However, he was with Detroit. And it does That means nothing to me. It's just the fact that he was a head coach. And he was a defensive-minded head coach, which is why this, the Lions were not successful when he was a head coach. I think it's a fantastic hire for the Browns, and I don't see any better, any better option there. Brian Flores was certainly an option. I think he was my favorite going into this. But Jim Schwartz certainly seemed like a good candidate as well. In that press conference as well, he just sounded like a head coach, talking about if there's one city that can outdo the parade in Philly, it would be Cleveland. Just He seems like the guy for the position. He seems like he can be a leader among men, which is really what the Browns need at the core of this position. What do you think of Jim Schwartz as the new defensive coordinator, Mitch? Um, I love this hiring for the Browns, and I think it's a very specific hire as in what they want to improve on defense. Like The Cleveland Browns obviously were a very bad run defense in this season. And when Jim Schwartz went into Tennessee, he made Tennessee last year, or this season technically, They were 13th against their opponent in rushing yards and 12th against the opponent in rushing touchdowns among the whole league. And the red zone defense that Tennessee had last year was ranked 6th. And I think those are two of the biggest focuses that the Browns needed to address in the offseason. And them bringing in Jim Schwartz, he improved the Titans on it. I think he'll do amazing with the Cleveland Browns in those two specific categories. And it was a pretty perfect hire in my eyes. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you mentioned a lot there with the defensive line. He's known for his development of interior defensive linemen, which, like you mentioned, is a major weakness of the Cleveland Browns defense with their run defense. Sounded like a head coach. I'm really excited to see what he does for the Browns defense going into next season. Let's talk about yesterday's NFL playoff games, guys. Jaguars-Chiefs first up in the AFC 
The Chiefs ended up winning 27-20. to 20. Patrick Mahomes went 22-30, of 30, 195 yards and two touchdowns. Briefly exited the game in the first half. Isaiah Pacheco ran for 95 yards on 12 carries, which I, I think makes this Chiefs offense so dangerous when they can actually run the ball effectively. And then Travis Kelsey, what a game out of him. 14 catches, 98 yards, two touchdowns, most completions by a tight end in a game in postseason history. What did you guys make of this Chiefs win? Narrow win, seven points, but this Chiefs win nonetheless over Jacksonville. I think it was expected, but Jacksonville played a great game. Uh, obviously, Trevor Lawrence has a bright future ahead of him. He's got the right head coach in place now. Doug Peterson is doing great things in Jacksonville and turned a team around that was an absolute shambles from Urban Meyer. That is much further than they were expected to get this season. Bright future ahead for them. And depending on the state of Patrick Mahomes, I still see the Chiefs being a favorite to come out of the AFC right now. But if Patrick Mahomes can't go or is not up to full speed... I think the I think we could see an interesting matchup going forward. Yeah, that's cer- certainly something to keep an eye on. Trevor Lawrence, twenty four for twenty nine, two hundred and seventeen yards, one touchdown, one interception. Mitch, any thoughts on this game? Yeah, I was actually pretty disappointed with Jacksonville with some of the opportunities that they had. I mean, it was a pretty close game, even going at a halftime. It's just that Jags offense in this postseason run cannot get it done. And I am pretty upset with Trevor Lawrence. I mean, how many picks do you have in two games? Like five? It's it's pretty upsetting if you're a Jaguars fan, which I'm not. But I'm still rooting for them because that's kind of an underdog team. And I think their future is pretty bright. But the Chiefs are right now. They have one of the top five quarterbacks in the league. Their running back room is stacked full with Pacheco running like a madman. They have Jarek McKinnon, who's a touchdown machine. They also have Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who people forget about. And I think the Chiefs are, they just proved themselves once again. And they're going to need to bring that heat in the next game because they're going to be playing a tough opponent despite who wins. Yeah, that they did. And the Chiefs will advance to the AFC Championship game for the fifth straight year. Looking at the NFC, the Giants and Eagles game last night. Not a competitive contest at all. The Eagles won 38-7. They were leading 28-0 going into halftime. Jalen Hurts, three total touchdowns, two passing, one rushing. What would you guys make of this dominating win by the Philadelphia Eagles? Well, it's exactly what I expected, you know. I didn't expect the Giants to do much against the Eagles. You know, they played a Little League defense in Minnesota last week, and Daniel Jones thought he was Eli Manning, and then he kind of got taken down a notch there. It's Philly's a really good team. That's all really that I have to say about that. I feel terribly for Saquon, but Philly's a really good team, and they deserved it. Yeah. I thought... Go ahead, Logan. I thought that the Giants per, uh, would have performed a little bit better. I had a little bit higher expectations than Mitch did for them, and I was completely wrong. Obviously, obviously the everybody knew the Eagles was going to win the game, but I didn't realize that the Giants were going to look that bad. Daniel Jones looked absolutely terrible. They were talking about they'd rather have Eli come out of retirement at that very moment and play for them than what he was doing on the field there. So dominant win for the Eagles. I just think the Giants could have performed a little bit better. It almost looked like they, the stage was too big for them. 
Yeah, I agree with you. I didn't expect this result out of this game. Daniel Jones, not a great performance, especially after last week's performance, one of the best in his entire career against the Vikings, then goes out and does what he does last night against the Giants or against the Eagles. What do you guys think about the future of Daniel Jones with the Giants? Do the Giants stick with him for the long run, maybe just until next year? What do you think happens to good old Danny Dimes? Um, personally, I think it's really tricky because when you're looking at the New York Giants offense, can you name like one player on that offense opposed, uh, not Saquon Barkley, that like is a true standout and gives Daniel Jones the options that he needs? No, definitely not. There's no one. And that's my point. They traded the only one. Like if you put Daniel Jones on the 49ers right now, I... I think it's the same thing with kind of Jimmy Garoppolo where you're going to give him a contract. But here in New York, I don't think he's the quarterback that's going to do it. I think you kind of got to let that one go and you got to rebuild that entire offense because their defense is pretty good. I'm pretty satisfied with the amount of stars on that defense, but the offense is just like it. it's so random. They had no-name receivers stepping up every other week. They have a tight end that I'm – can you name their tight end? No. Yeah, it's Daniel Bellinger. So. Would not have known that. Yeah. I only knew Saquon Barkley and Kadero Tony, and Kadero Tony got traded. Yeah, and they they do have uh, two good tackles. They have Andrew Thomas and Evan Neal, so that's a great place to start as far as rebuilding that offense, but I think DJ's got to get out of there. Yeah, I agreed with your assessment until the very end. I think the Giants can make it work with Daniel Jones. I just think they need the weapons to make it work. And I think mm-hmm. Daniel Jones could be a guy just like Jimmy Garoppolo under the 49ers system when they made their Super Bowl run, but he just do, he does need something in that wide receiver room and in that tight end room. Any thoughts on Daniel Jones's future, Logan? I think he should at least receive one more season. And if it doesn't work then, then maybe it's time to move on. But I, I, I think the fact that he got into the playoffs was pretty impressive. That's also a product of Brian Dable, or Dable, excuse me. And, yeah, I'd give him one more year, and if that doesn't work out, then maybe look for other options, either in the draft or go sign somebody. Yeah, I agree. And even in uh, Brian Dable's first year, he did a lot with the Giants in just that one season. I think they come back with the same group of guys next year and give it another go. So the Eagles are going to the NFC Championship game, but who are they going to face this leads us into our NFL pickums. Yes, they are back for the playoffs. They will be posted on Twitter at one o'clock when we go off the air. But NFL pickums, but we do want to go more into in depth with these games. Only two of them today. Cowboys at 49ers at 6 30 p.m. Who's going to advance to play the Eagles in the NFC title game? And why do you think so? Logan, take it away. I believe, and I made these picks in our group chat. Man, I this is tough for me because this there's really you're right. This is really a tough matchup. They're they're all good teams. I think that the Cincinnati Bengals are going to come away against the Bills. That was my first pick, and then I think that the Forty ers which it looks from what I'm looking at right now, is unanimous within our station, will upset or will beat the Cowboys. Brock Purdy's not losing yet, but from what I heard. It sounds like it might not be Brock Purdy. It could potentially be Jimmy Garoppolo, which I think would be incredibly dumb of Kyle Shanahan. I think they are sticking with Brock Purdy. Even next year, there were reports that they might stick with Brock Purdy, even if Trey Lance comes back. They should. I 100% agree. Yeah, I agree with that, too. 
So you think the 49ers are winning. Why do you think that why do you think they will? I think the 49ers are just such a strong team right now, riding riding the coattails of Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy might also be a product of the 49ers system, but he hasn't lost yet, and I don't anticipate that being to the Cowboys today. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on one of those game picks. I disagree on the Bills Bengals. I think the Bills are gonna pull it out today. Um, I can see Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs connecting a ton of times in this game. I would look for a pass attack heavy game, but I can see the Bills beating the Bengals. There's going to be a lot of passion poured into this game from both sides, knowing what happened the first time they played, well, started to play each other, you know, with the DeMar Hamlin incident. And I can see a lot of scoring in this game. I got the Bills. And in the Niners game, I think the 49ers are the hottest team in football. We all credit Brock Purdy very quickly, but I think we should pay a lot of attention to the team around him. Christian McCaffrey, I think he's a top five running back in football. Debo Samuel, George Kittle. I mean, there's even Brandon Ayuk. There's a ton of pieces around him that allow him to be successful in my eyes. So that's why I see the Niners rolling past the Cowboys. I agree with your pick on the AFC playoff game, Mitch. Bills over Bengals at 3 p.m., and that's going to be a highly entertaining game. I'm very much so looking forward to that contest. But give me the Cowboys over the 49ers. I need to make up some ground in these NFL pickums. And there's only, what, next week for the title games and the Super Bowl, so not many pickums to do. I think the Cowboys can get it done. Do I think they will? I'm not really sure, but I'm going to go with the Cowboys. I'm clearly worried about the 49ers defense, but I think the 49ers offense and Brock Purdy might not be able to score as easily as other people think on the Cowboys' defense. I think if Dak can protect the ball, which is very important, and he leads the Cowboys and his weapons on offense to a narrow, low-scoring win in Levi Stadium, I'm taking the Cowboys, which would be a huge upset this week in the NFL playoffs. And that takes us to around the Rue. Not many teams here to talk about, but... Around the room where we debate around the table and bring it to you via our Twitter page at WZIP Sports. This week's question, there's only one question to ask this time of year. It was asked last week for Around the Room. Unfortunately, didn't get that Around the Room question up on our Twitter feed. It is going to happen this week, though. It is who's going to win Super Bowl 57. The options are the betting favorites, Kansas City Chiefs, Buffalo Bills, San Francisco 49ers, and then we have another category as well in case you think the Eagles are going to take it or maybe the Bengals as well. Eagles. Fly, Eagles, fly. You really think the Eagles are winning it all? Yes, sir. I do, in fact, think that the Eagles are winning it all. I think Jalen Hurts is that guy. I really do. And Nick Sirianni is that dude as the head coach. Well, I think the Eagles fall to the Bills in the Super Bowl. That's my Super Bowl prediction. Give me the Bills. I think they're just going to ride hot into the AFC title game because the Bills' momentum after beating the Dolphins and the Bengals is greater than the Chiefs' momentum after beating the Jaguars. I think either the Chiefs or Bills beat whoever represents the NFC in the Super Bowl. I think it is going to be the Eagles. Give me the Bills. Mitch, who's winning the Super Bowl? Call me crazy, and I actually really dislike making this pick because no one knows this yet, but I am a Seattle Seahawks fan. I think the 49ers can pull out the Super Bowl this year. I don't hate it. And I say this because if they are healthy, 
I think that's top talented teams in the entire league. If they're not healthy, that's a different story. But their D line when they're at full health with Ebucom, Eric Armstead, Javon Kinlaw, and Nick Bosa, it's just they have so many pieces, but Philadelphia as a matchup for them scares me because AJ Brown and Devontae Smith, you only have one Charvarius Ward on the defense as a 49ers team. And Lenore is on the other side. He's not going to be able to contain whoever is over there. That's a very scary matchup for them. But I think they're the hottest team in football. So long as Brock Purdy keeps his head up and keeps delivering those footballs, I think they can win the Super Bowl, not with ease, but convincingly. Well, those are our Super Bowl predictions. All three of us have different picks. We want to hear from you, though. The Twitter account is at WZIP Sports, and the Around the Root question is live. So go ahead, go over there. Who do you think is going to win Super Bowl 57? And let us know in the comments why you think that team is going to win the Super Bowl this NFL season. And that's going to do it for the January 22nd edition of Sports Power Talk. We talked a little bit of everything on today's show, including the Zips basketball teams, UFC 283, Cavs basketball, Browns coaching the NFL playoffs, and so much more. Any last thoughts on today's show, gentlemen? Hey, yeah, quick plug to my newest endeavor with Akron City FC. Give the team a follow on all social media platforms. It's Akron's NPSL franchise, back for year two, and I'm very excited to be a part of it. Also, I have to throw this jab in there at you, Jake. Shout out to the Stowe Bulldogs for two big wins this week over the St. Vincent St. Mary Irish and over Jake, Alex, Matt, and Dan's alma mater, the off-brand Bulldogs, the Green Bulldogs. Keep it going and chase that ship. You think I care all that much <laughs> about my alma mater's basketball You should, team? or you're fake. I don't really care all that much, Logan. Fake. It doesn't really hurt me all fake. that much. Mitch, fake. any last thoughts on your first show? Uh, I have no shout-outs, but it's been great to be here, and I'm excited to get more involved with WZIP family. Now, for me, UFC 283 was a lot of fun. Hopefully you liked our breakdown of the card earlier on. And for Bengals-Bills, I hope both teams have fun, and I'll root for the winner to win the Super Bowl this year. Also, Udonis Haslam, Udonis Haslam doesn't mean anything to the Miami <laughs> Heat. You're dumb. thought I would throw that in there as well. You're dumb. <laughs> If you're looking for more WZIP sports content, then look no further than the place you get all of your podcasts. Simply look up SBT Overtime and SBT Rewind and make sure to follow us on Twitter at WZIP Sports to know when new episodes drop. Joining me on today's show were Logan Congrove, Mitch Bates. My name is Jake Murin. Be kind to one another, Akron and Sports Power Talk. We'll be back same time and place next week on 88.1 WZIP.